Welcome to What's Your Beef? What's Your Beef is proudly supported by Suncorp Bank, helping local producers through the ups and downs since 1902. Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, I'm Jane Cudahy and this is What's Your Beef? Today we're chatting to Sam Becker from Jarrah Cattle Company and Banana in central Queensland. Sam is part of a family business. It's a vertically integrated operation. They have a seed stock operation and a commercial breeding operation and also backgrounding steers. Jarrah has had a trade site for the last three beef events and with a display of genetics and a virtual reality video in 2018. They've also added a few more features to the repertoire at Beef 21, but here's Sam to tell us all about it. Welcome, Sam. Thanks for having me, Jane. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. I actually, I've been waiting for this interview, I have to say, because at the last Beef, I don't think I could go anywhere without um, coming across a Jarrah shirt. There seemed to be a team of millions. Yes, no, we, we had a few people there. It's, um, it's a man of size. You need a, a bit of manpower with the amount of people through, but... We had a few red shirts and um, handed out plenty of red and white um, jarrah caps. So, yeah, they were seen across the grounds. Well, I missed missed them, but I certainly saw the red shirts. And obviously the the red breed is is quite, um, well, synonymous with your brand. So I do want to know a little bit more about the Jarrah Cattle Company. You're, um, as I mentioned, down in central Queensland um, around Banana, but you've got a number of properties involved in that operation. So can you just give us a snapshot of, of what you do? Yeah, so we're the Becker family. We um, form Jarrah Cattle Company. We are based at Glen Archie at Banana, where we um, have uh, two properties there. Um, we run probably our Hereford breeders and also background steers on that property. And then we also uh, have a few other properties in the region, uh, one over at Brellabar, which runs our commercial uh, breeders, and then one over at Theodore Burnside, which is where we run a lot of our stud Redford and Red females and also have some backgrounding steers there as well. Well, there's a few points that I want to pick up on, um, and I guess, you know, you mentioned a couple of your breeds which aren't terribly popular because they're your own um, and I want to come back to that but I guess first Jarrah it is it is a type of wood um, what's the significance of the Jarrah name? Look I think it's something that uh, my father Jim always really liked he he loves the wood um, in in his um, office he originally had to get a, a bench top with with Jarrah wood and it sort of probably evolved from there and I guess probably the originally with the Herefords, where you know having being uh, having red in them, yeah, you know, I, th- I think it just was a fit, and and the name we thought was yeah it stood out and uh, a bit unique as well. Absolutely, with the bright red. Now you did mention the Redfords and the Jarrah Reds, and that's that's two different breeds that you've come up with yourselves. Could you uh, just explain a little bit about one why you came up with it to start with, and and what they are. Yeah, for sure. I guess it probably all starts with our with our Herefords. Um, you know, we've been breeding Herefords up here for generations, and uh, you know, obviously they were probably the breed of breed of choice for a while. Um, then the Bosnia's cattle came up, but I suppose it was uh, Jim, my father, who decided he really wanted to tropicalise those Herefords, and uh, we we do see a, a, a big part with the Herefords 
crossbreeding with the now bossy indigus cattle. But I guess from there, we'd had these British-based animals that we, you know, were probably always believed in British for their finishing ability and, and fertility. But we probably wanted to uh, mould something that was relevant to our operation and probably also very relevant to the environment where we are. And I guess that's probably where the Redfords came into play first. That was combining Brahmin and um, Hereford. So the Redfords are a minimum 25% Hereford, rest red Brahmin, but uh, pure red in colour. And probably that that red colour was something that we always wanted to to strive for. Uh, you know, lines of, of, of red wieners are certainly very marketable. And I guess we were breeding them for uh, for probably 10 years. And then we bought a line of Santa Gertrudis cows from Headingley Station. And uh, we would, uh, they were part of their bull breeding operation up there, we were told. And we, it's probably just by experiment, we've mated those Redford bulls over those Santa cows. And that's what we now call the Jarrah Reds. So... The Jareds ended up being about um, sort of around that 50% uh, British animal, the rest Brahmin, and probably we we call them a type of animal. We call them a, a clean-coated flatback, something that's, you know, tropicalised and, and very relevant for the markets sort of where uh, or the premium markets that we, we try and uh, sell to. So it really just came up by chance, but we thought they were a very type of animal that would, would hit the market specification. So uh, we now breed surplus for our own needs. So we've <laughs> started uh, selling the Jarrah Reds as well. Yeah, well, that was my next question. How how long have you had these two different breeds for? Well, we bought those, the, Jar- uh, the Santa Cows in uh, 2007. So that's really been that project there where we, with those Santa Cows, we bought 500 and um, sort of picked out, you know, the, the lead females and sort of bred up from there but the the redfords have probably been going on 20 a good 20 years from from what i can remember and then the herefords yeah we've had them i think we bought our uh, main stud cows in 1990 but uh yeah we've had our families had a history of herefords as well yeah no like that was a bit of a given i was more intrigued about the two uh newer ones and i guess the fact that you've got a seed stock uh, arm to the business as well means that there is a popularity and, and a demand for those genetics in the area. How far beyond central Queensland do you, are you finding your cattle? Um, so we, we've, um, we've got clients out at Bullia, uh, and we've got clients up to the Atherton Tablelands. And then, but I, you know, there's, there are a lot that stay locally, but also um, or they'd sort of go more coastal country, but then around Charter Towers, they seem to be, uh, the Charter South Clermont area seem to be a lot going up um, towards that area as well. But yeah, from, but they do go right out to um, sort of Longreach and Bullier as well. Oh, that's interesting. Charters Towers, that's God's own country there. Now, I, <laughs> Sam, your philosophy or Jarrah's philosophy is that, you know, that grass fed beef is Australia's premium product. I just want you to um, expand on that a little bit. We all know how delicious and amazing it is but why is that um the business's philosophy i guess i've probably been fortunate enough to do a couple of tours um particularly over in america and it was interesting you know i guess what is it something like 90 percent of america's beef is is grain production um you know goes through their feedlot over there and 
um, we we did a tour from those feedlots and then right through to the supermarket. And um, from what I learned at the supermarket, it was that Australia's clean green reputation it it really is alive and kicking. They people want something different. Um, the fact that you know it it is paddock raised on grass, uh, I think that really sets Australia apart. And I guess not every year, you know, as we've seen over the last few years, uh, probably most people have been selling to feedlots because just to get turn cattle off quicker. But for cattle to have the ability to finish off grass is something that we've always strived for. Um, And that's, yeah, that's probably, you know, why we've, um, you know, and and Herefords and Brahmins and Sanders all have the ability to do that and linking those three three breeds together is probably, you know, how we, well, why we selected those three breeds and continue to do so. So when you're over touring the States and having conversations with American breeders, what kind of conversations are you having when you're pointing out um, what you do and where you come from and, and why um, grass-fed is, is premium for you? I think they're just, I guess, the countryside and the um, the scale over here is, is just so different. Um, and trying to explain that to them is probably the biggest thing and and I guess they with their winters and everything over there it's it makes it a bit harder but and probably the biggest thing as well explaining to them was our traceability system and that's probably what linked you know I guess they questioned how do they know it's it's grass-fed and and that our traceability system was was a big point of conversation. That's interesting, isn't it? Because it's something we probably have got to the stage. You not you don't take it for granted, but it is just so much integrated into what we do every day. Mm, I agree. Yeah. So what happens? You know, I, again, I will leave this alone in a second. But when when you're talking about that, because I think traceability is only becoming more relevant across the a world. What what's their attitude? Do you think it's something that will eventually have to just become mandatory over there as well? Look, they think they've got a, a fantastic traceability system and, and look, they might do, but trying to explain it without, you know, I, you know, I think we probably we probably complain about our NLIS using an NLIS tag, but that really does that, you know, that chip and, and number does really give us a fair bit of traceability. But, yeah, I think I think it is more and more it, from what the consumers are, are pushing um, over, over there. They will need to probably follow. What uh, what Australia's was doing, but I guess also they are producing um, a lot of beef that stays internally, and I guess the fact that we are a um, you know a, lot, a high export country is why we've got to be ahead of the game with those sort of things. Yeah, absolutely. Now I want to come back to we're here talking because of, of beef, and you know more importantly, beef twenty one and the showcase that it is, you're a long-term Beef Expo supporter. So what have been some of your big moments over the last three, I think, you've been um, showcasing your beef for? Yeah, oh, look, I just – Beef Week is is the um, the pinnacle week for our three years. Um, we just absolutely love it. To, to me, the biggest thing about Beef Week is – Everyone's there to talk beef. It doesn't matter what you have. Um, you can have a conversation with anyone and everyone's there for, um, you know, trying to better their business or learn a, learn a few more things. Um, and for us, we've, the last three beef, we've had, had trade sites and 
I guess we do have a new product with um, the Jar Reds and Redfords, and probably it's mainly been the Jar Reds we've been pushing. And for people to come up open-minded, um, appreciate the type of animal that they are, and that's probably where we've picked up a fair few clients is is from Beef Week, people wanting, looking for a type of animal and the, and the Reds are fitting, fitting that um, animal that they have in mind. So you're talking about the trade sites and I guess, you know, preaching to the converted to a degree, you're obviously getting some new clients, which is always a bonus. But do you find yourself having some conversations with people outside the industry that are there to learn about the beef industry and about beef and that whole side of things too? Absolutely. You know, people wanting to come along and see what it's all about, but probably also the international guests wanting to know about um, Australia's production system. And that's, you know, when you when you get the two, they, they usually hit you with some pretty hard questions that you 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 probably don't think about every day. And, and uh, you know, a, an ex, uh, outside person looking in um, probably, you know, they might think it's a basic question, but mm-hmm. we just sort of take it for granted. Yeah. Um, so it's, but it's, it's really, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy when, when people, um, when, when, you know, uh, people not in the industry come along and, and ask questions. And I think that's where we had a virtual reality site, oh, virtual reality tour at Beef 2018. And that was just perfect. You could put that, um, the goggles, on them uh you know they could and watch that and they could watch that video and we it could explain our operation in in a three minute um yeah snippet of um of jarrah cattle company so that and then yeah they would be able to ask questions after seeing that so it's as much about education as it is about attracting new clients then yeah look it's and i think it's just Oh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just beef weeks. Everyone, everyone's there to talk beef. So, <laughs> so just roll with the punches. And exactly. Now, this year's a little bit different for you all. Um, you have a tour to Glen Archie, as I understand. So what people signing up for this particular property tour, or what are they signing up for? What are you showing them? Yeah, look, this year, oh, this time we, you know, got offered to, to hold a property tour. Um, and we've, 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 really enjoyed having the trade sites but we thought well maybe this is a good way um you know for us our operation is more than just the genetics it's the commercial operation behind that it's our family's financial background and for us we wanted to give um you know people interested in jarrah an insight into how our family operates why we operate the way we do and also it's a great way to have a large number of our cattle on display at Glenarchy, where um, in if you know paddocks close by, and also um, in our in our yards. But f- for us, we we do pride ourselves on um, having um, you know linking not only the operation of of cattle, but also um, the financial to the paddock. So I guess we see um, the en- engine room of the operation as as the paddock and the office. And to succeed, um, I guess you need to be a, a well-oiled machine, and that's probably how we've come up with the cattle that we have and um, the operation that we have. Okay, you've mentioned the financial side of things a couple of times there, but to people who may not be familiar with your financial background 
or, or what you mean exactly by that. Can you just expand on it a little bit, keeping in mind yeah. that I'm just looking at the property tour and you've got your sister, Sarah Becker, doing the presentation on financial focus. So can you yes, just yes. expand that concept a little bit for me, Sam? Yeah, for sure. So in the in the family, we've got three chartered accountants, my father, um, my two sisters, Sarah Becker and Alexandra Becker, uh, both chartered accountants. So tax they know time must their... be amazing at your house then, isn't it? <laughs> Look, I don't have to do a thing. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, ever. Um, so I guess um, what we, with our operation, we um, probably look at um, collecting relevant data um, uh, to our operation. And what what they're going to talk, well, in, I'll probably be talking about um, paddock to market and our genetics, and then Sarah will be talking um, paddock to bottom line and so that's you know covering um, looking at how traceability of your um, for, of your costs and your operation um, but also being accountable for the decisions you make and also having that um, real data to be able to make informed decisions and um, allows growth and capitalise on opportunities. Right. Well, you've got quite a lot in there. And, I get, you know, with three chartered accountants in the family and I guess, that, as you say, really drives home the, the profitability focus of, of any business. But um, how does that change your business structure then? I'm, are they all involved within the cattle side of business too? Like, Do you all work together in that? Yeah, we um, so I look. I run the the cattle operation per se, as in the day to day management. Um, but we do, you know, I, I've got to do up reports and and um, my two sisters. Um, I, I sorry, I run the cattle operation with my my wife, who's now another Sarah Becker, just to make things confusing. <laughs> but then it's it's really refreshing. Um, I guess Sarah and Alexandra, my sisters, aren't hands on but they know the numbers probably better than anyone and they're able to, to come in um, and we make informed decisions from the data that we've got and on the direction of the way the operation's going. So I guess, for example, you know, the last few years we've we've had terrible seasons um, with, with drought and we've had to sell a lot of cattle, um, but we're able to make a decision, okay, our goal is to make sure that we we remain our uh, we we're able to keep our breeders because that then we'll be able to rebuild quicker. So I guess by having the information on hand and with their expertise of uh, of um, all, all figures and numbers, then we're able to make those decisions to um, you know keep going forward. Okay, well, going back to you know your background, um, thank you for all of that, by the way. But so you've been involved. Um, with the Cattle Council Rising Championship Initiative, and then you've also been an Ag Force Youth Director and on the Cattle Board. So, how do all of those kind of roles play into your business? I guess, um, you know, the, the industry is very, uh, you know, something that I'm, I'm passionate as a whole, and and I guess uh, I, I think we see in this industry that you know, if you if you want to make change, you need to get involved. And I guess being a young young person in the industry. Um, I, you know, I want this industry to to be there in 50 years' time, and it's it is something that you do have to fight for. And I really do think that ad, advocacy is important, well, and relevant to your business. So it it doesn't inhibit; it allows us to keep growing. 
I think if if you need to be involved to to have a say and and that's probably something that you know even though no one's got the time to do it, you sort of need to make the time um, to ensure the the um, future of the industry. And I'm hearing that more and more. You need to make the time because yeah, as you say, everybody is busy. Everybody has a million balls in the air at any one time. How do you prioritise that advocacy? Look, I guess home always does have to come first, mm-hmm. as in, you know, we, the, I've got responsibilities and I'm accountable for parts of that. But it's then, also looking you know, after and, animals. That's, you know, that's a fairly massive responsibility at any ab- time. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but I guess that's where, you know, putting in a bit of extra work at night and, and those sort of things is, is where you've sort of got to do it. And But I guess... You know, the, the meetings and everything for Ag Force are set out far enough advance. You, you plan around it, and I guess that's probably the, the beauty of our industry. We're not a uh, Monday to Friday. We're not a nine to five. We can um, work around and, you know, get, um, work on weekends to, to get work done to be able to, to go away. Exactly. Now, I just want, I want to go back. I missed a little bit, I think, with the farm tours because um, you want to highlight some of the, the males as well as the females on that particular trip. Can you just be a bit more specific about that? So we're looking at stud bulls and commercial females? Um, yeah, so we'll have a range of um, cattle on display. So we'll have probably um, a line of our, I guess well, they'll be our 2021 sale bulls, um, sort of penned up on display just just um, out of the paddock. And then, yeah, also a line of, of our um, Jarrah Red, probably Hereford and also Redford Redford breeders um, that are there as well as some heifers as, as well as um, probably some of our uh, um, commercial homebred steers that, you know, to, to us that's a pretty, pretty um, that, that's um, the main end product. So it's important to show that these genetics are, uh, uh, produce these animals that hit the market specifications. Great. Well, and the most important question is what's for Smoko? Are you um, whipping up some scones in the morning or what can we expect oh, there? Look, I'm not much of a cook if it's um, <laughs> if it's left up to me. It might, it might be a, bit, a biscuit, but no, we'll, um, we'll make sure there's some, some um, good Smoko. <laughs> well, it's at a bull sale. The bull sale is all about a good cup of coffee and um, some chocolate cakes. So right. we'll have to make sure some chocolate cakes there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, back at your trade store, because, you know, you are split between a couple of camps for the for Beef 21. So last time you had the virtual reality video, How, what are you going to one-up yourself with this time? Oh, that's a um, that's a that's a good question. Come on, we'll you've probably... set the bar there, Sam. This is your own fault. You're going to have to. Maybe it's coffee, good coffee and chocolate cake there too. Maybe you could just do that. Yeah, that's it. Maybe, um, but we'll have the virtual reality um, set again. But we actually are working on the next stage from VR. But we just have to see if if it um, if it's pulled off. Um, but look, I don't, I don't want to get your hopes up yet, Jane, just in case it doesn't come off and I look like a fool. Oh, I'm going to come. I'm going to come and get one of these, you know, hats that you handed out last time that I missed. Uh, now you said you weren't a cook, but you know, we, we've been asking everyone on this podcast about their preferred cut of beef and it's to cook and not show off dinner party. It is an average Monday night. And what what are you getting out of the freezer? Because I, I take it you don't frequent the butcher's shop too much. No. Well, look, my go-to is actually just a T-bone steak. Yeah. I just think I just think you can't get a bad T-bone. 
So if um, if someone's coming, that's usually what we'll um, dig out of the freezer. Really? So that that is your fancy dinner party. You're, you're going to put a T-bone on. Oh well, look, it's it's if I'm cooking and I'm the <laughs> only one there, then but um, my wife's a much much better cook. She can um, she can make up some beautiful roast beefs. I reckon a lot's got to be said for a rolled roast. Oh yes, yes. It definitely. is one of life's just absolute treats. A rolled roast, I've decided. Mm. Right. No, well, well there's, there's no there's no bad cut of beef though, Jane. <laughs> That's true. That is exceptionally true. Now, Sam, what is your highlight? You know, you've got a lot going on in the in your own camps uh, for Beef Twenty One, but you know, it is a week where we get out and and really get involved in the industry. What are you looking forward to when you don't have your work hat on? Look, the the main thing I love about beef is the networking. Mm. You can you can be at the bar having a drink. There you and, go. See, it's the fancy word for networking. Yes, okay. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but you can you can literally introduce yourself to anyone and every, everyone is wanting to have a chat. Mm. And I think I've done that in the past where you you know, you just introduce yourself, you might be lining up or um, just you know, bump into someone and yeah, you have a have a chat and everyone's there wanting to to meet new people. Um and yeah, and have a um, have a chat about their operation, your operation. Mm. Um, but I guess probably other than that, the, some of the seminars Beef um, Australia hosts is uh, you know there's some pretty um, phenomenal speakers, and the, the insight that they can give to you know if you can take a few things away from from what they say to implement into your operation, it can um, can really benefit you. Absolutely. Now I do just to wrap up. You know you've got. A vertically integrated business and you know you've got several arms and sisters and fathers and parents and all sorts of things involved but everyone has a favorite part and I guess when you you're backgrounding seed stocking and um and commercially breeding what's your favorite where would you spend all of your time if you had a choice oh look I might get in trouble for saying this for my family but um they're not my... listening it's fine <laughs> my favorite thing is genetics and it doesn't matter what breed um i just love looking up up genetics and how they perform and that's probably why i've you know tried to um progress the genetic side of of um jara um just because i love the um the satisfaction you get from doing a, a good joining um you know seeing your your um your weights increase you know, every, every weaning by using um, better genetics, um, better fertility rates by, you know, focusing on um, those sort of traits. Um, so, yeah, I get a great satisfaction from, um, yeah, genetics of our operation and and um, really progressing that. I don't think you'll get in trouble for that. That sounds like a completely plausible excuse. What, what kind of data are you collecting? Uh, so we do, um, like we are EBV. Um, evaluated breeding values um, in our herd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do collect, um, we collect birth weight um, when we use a new sire um, in our in our Hereford herd, but then uh, date of birth, 200 weights, 400 weights, 600 weights. Um, we, we try and input as much data as we can along the way and also obviously scan for muscle and fats. Um, yeah, and also the, the day the, the bulls go in to try and um, 
to make accurate data, data carving. And I, I suppose probably for us, you know, there's people out there, EBVs sort of all for them and also vice versa, all against them. But for us, we've probably seen how it's been able to benefit our operation. Um, so that's probably why we do it is more for ourselves. And if other people want to use that information, that's good. Um, but, it, you know, using the eye is very important when selecting cattle, but um, being able to use those, um, you know, that data that's behind the animals to to make sure that they'll breed on or there's generations of strength behind them um, has been very beneficial for our operation as well. And I think it's only beginning to become more relevant and useful for the industry as a whole as more people collect more data. Do you think, you know, there was quite a pushback against it when the concept of EBVs first came on, but do you feel like that softened a little bit? Yeah, well, you've seen it probably New South Wales or well, Southern Australia It's probably really taken off down there. Well, the European um, breeds have is, led the way, haven't they? Yeah, European and British for sure. But um, I suppose up here now, the, probably the Sanders, Seneca Truth is really starting to, starting to push it as well as um, some cow master and Brahmins. And I think that's, you know, the, the more people are exposed to it and understand it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is people don't fully understand it. Like yeah. it's... It's just a tool to help select your bulls, particularly. Do you think people just get overwhelmed at the actual amount of data that is available and then the application of, of it? Oh, look, could be, because I suppose when you get to a bull sale, you always waste a fair bit of time having a chat and your cup of coffee and chocolate cake before you <laughs> even need to look at the bulls. Fair enough. I need to come to more to your sales. Okay. <laughs> Sam Becker, thank you so much for your time and being part of What's Your Beef? No worries, Jane. Thank you for having me. I have enjoyed it. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners. Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.